Digiday Podcast. I'm Kaylee Barber, media editor at Digiday. And I'm Tim Peterson, senior media editor at Digiday. So Tim, you had the interview this week and you were speaking with Arielle Sims, who is the SVP and head of paid social at Digitas North America. My first question is, why do you want to have her on this week? Yeah, so two reasons. One, Arielle is just a great person to talk to. Like she's really knowledgeable, but also really easy to talk to. And um, the two are maybe rarer qualities than I would like um, in people. So finding someone like Ariel, who's both really knowledgeable and really easy to talk to about super in-depth things like the state of social advertising. Um, I'll just you know talk to people like that all day. And then two, just with, you know, between the launch of threads this summer and then Twitter, everything with Twitter now X, um, I was just, you know, thinking, oh, you know, I want to have a conversation on the show with someone about just what the hell is going on with social. And Ariel was the first person that I thought of. And I'm glad I did because it's a really illuminating conversation. Right. And so a couple of weeks ago, I had uh, Wes Bonner on from BDG to talk about kind of the publisher perspective of what's going on in the world of social. But I love that you have this kind of like buyer's perspective on what's going on right now. So yeah, what are some of the, I guess, like maybe top line takeaways that Ariel had to say about, you know, what's going on there? Specifically, I'm curious about what she had to say about advertising against uh, or on X right now or Twitter, whatever Mm -hmm. we want to call it. Uh, Because that's, I think, probably one of the more interesting platforms right now. Yeah, X, yeah, definitely more so than Threads since there's not advertising on Threads at the moment. Although we do start off by talking about Threads. And um, if I remember right, she thinks that Threads will add ads um, in like early next year. Um, that meta will wait until early next year to add ads, but that ads will come, which makes perfect sense because that's meta's lifeblood is ad money. Um, then on the X or Twitter side of things, uh, it's basically the usual, some brands are advertising there, some brands aren't advertising there. And what she's really curious about is how that's going to change or not change as the U.S. election cycle uh, heading into 2024 ramps up and there's more news coverage and therefore potentially more interest in usage of X, um, then again, that can also raise a bunch of brand safety concerns dependent on how people use X and what um, controls X offers. Like I think it was yesterday or it was this week where X introduced some new brand safety controls. So we weren't able to get into that in the conversation with Ariel. But um, yeah, when it comes to X. I mean, she has some really great also like insights into X because she had been working at Twitter up until January of this year. Um, And I think she started at Twitter in 2020, if I'm not mistaken. Um, She had been at Meta before and was agency side before going platform side. So she also has some really great insights into just what went on at Twitter after Elon Musk took over last fall. Wow. Yeah, I'm excited to hear what she has to say then. I'll let you guys get into it. Thanks, Tim. Cool. Thanks, guys. Ariel Sims, welcome to the Digit Podcast. Thanks for joining us. Thank you for having me. I'm so happy to be here. I'm happy to have you here because I wanted to have you on to help me make sense of what's going on in social right now because there's a lot going on in social right yeah. now. And you're one of the best people to talk to because not only are you head of paid social at Digitas, but you have a background having worked at both Twitter and Facebook. And I feel like the the two big topics in social at the moment are threads and then 
X. I, I am getting better about remembering to say X, but <laughs> listeners, please be forgiving if at any point I start calling it Twitter again, because that's just going to take a minute. But between like threads and X, how are you like dividing your time and attention right now, which is there one that you're spending more time talking with clients about, thinking about? Right now is threads because it's like the shiny new object, right? Threads, it didn't come out of nowhere. I think the release kind of was pushed up after everything that happened with the rate limiting on Twitter slash X. And so that kind of sped up the process of the release of threads. And so we're having more conversation around that. But because my remit is typically in paid, there's no paid advertising on threads. So it's more of a POV around like, what are you seeing? What's the usage looking like? How do we play in that space? But I would say threads for sure. And I'm excited about what's to come. So I think we're going to continue having conversations about threads for at least the next six to eight months. Okay. And so what are you seeing with threads so far? We're about a month in, a little over a month in, I think, by the time this episode goes out. Yeah, I mean, I, I like the interface. I like the way that people are leveraging the platform. There's some kinks to it, right? I know that they just released the following tab. I think that's going to be a huge, that's going to drive more usage for sure. Um, because when you first logged on, it was just like this like array of blue checks, people you don't follow, people you don't know. And I believe we talked about this last time just around like, influencers and how people are thinking about influencers and wanting to focus more on personal relationships. Like I want to see what Tim's posting as opposed to wanting to see what some A-list celebrity is posting on threads. So I think that they're starting to understand that and starting to like develop the timeline in a way where it's more, people are more so enjoying the platform, but I think that they've got a couple things that they need to work out for sure. Right. Yeah. Like consistency with the daily user base seems to be one like there was the sensor tower report this week daily usage is down 82 percent to i think 8 million daily users according to sensor tower how is that kind of coloring the thinking on the brand and agency side with threads it's normal right you see this huge just like we love shiny new objects. So it's like, yes, let's get on there. Let's see what it's looking like. Like, how do I use it? How do brands use it? Can we advertise? Like, there's that excitement there. And then because all of the features weren't there, interest started to thin out a bit. I also think that we're, it's like, there's so many social networks now that it's like, okay, what do I post on here that's different than what I post on Twitter, that's different than what I post on Instagram, even though this is tied to Instagram? Do I post text? Do I, like, what does the algorithm prefer? Like, all these questions are coming up. But more so what we're getting is just, like, should I be on it? And what should I be posting? Like, more so those questions as opposed to, I think knowing that there's no advertising pieces there just yet, people are, and brands are just starting to say, like, okay, let me just, dip our toes in there a bit so that we're on there, but still trying to figure out what's the best way to post, Got best it. content to post. Okay. And I feel like from a, at least from like a normal person perspective, or maybe this is more like media person, because this is where these conversations are coming from. But like, yeah. I've been talking to a lot of other like journalists and we have our Twitter accounts that are very much like job oriented for us. And then our Instagram accounts, which are not news related whatsoever. And so with threads, it's like, well, is this my like Twitter kind of style that I approach it with? Or is it my Instagram style? Is that is there a similar thing going on on the brand side? Yeah, absolutely. Threads was 
promoted as like text-based, right? It's like the competitor of X. So that's the, the base of that conversation is text with, you know, imagery and video in there somewhat, but the primary usage of it that we think is text-based. So that's those are the questions that they're asking us, but it still is going to take time. I think as we start to see more features rolled out, I think they're bringing trending topics soon. Don't qu- I mean, quote me on it if you want. I think <laughs> trending topics are coming uh, soon. Um, and then a couple other features that will enhance the usage of the app. But right now, like you said, it's just figuring out, like, what types of content do I leverage? But I would say, like, put anything you want in there and, like, see what sticks. Like, there's no consequence of trying different things. Mm. And like you mentioned, no ads currently on threads. This is a meta-owned platform, though. Ads will come at some point. Like, if ads don't come, well, then that's a whole other conversation. But ads will come at some point. But for now, like, to what extent are brands doing, like, sponsored posts with influencers or others, you know, creating branded content for threads, any of that going on? I haven't seen that. Not to say that it's not happening, but I haven't seen it yet. I mean, Instagram itself is so strong that there may be instances where influencers are leveraging what they're posting on Instagram to also post on threads because there's a tie there. But we haven't seen anyone creating content specific for threads. But I think that comes with time as well. Like we're still learning every day how to use it and what works best. And I don't think that the <laughs> the comment that came out about the usage dropping was helpful. Um, but again, it's like a natural state. Like we, we saw this with Be Real. Um, we've seen it with Lemonade. Um, these things tend to happen, but these platforms can also rebound. Got it. And what has Meta said to you about the timeline for when ads will come out? All we know is that it's not this year. That's oh, the right. only thing that we've heard. Did that surprise you? No. I think that what we've seen is ads can scare users away. So if I'm getting on this new platform and then immediately it's just like ads are thrown at me, that's not a great user experience. It's like, I want to figure out how to use it first before you throw all these like branded content and ads at me. So I thought it was a smart decision for sure. I think that they have there's different in a way where it's all rolled under meta, right? So they can afford to have a a platform that doesn't run ads. Like they can do that. Um, And so I think it was a great decision. Okay. And it also seems like it could be easy enough for them to quote unquote, like flip the switch on ads by just taking existing formats, existing targeting options, existing like backend systems and just plugging that all into threads. But to what extent is that what you want to see versus, uh, I guess I'll ask it <laughs> better way of asking it. What do you want to see from you know threads when it comes to the ad options? I think it's going to roll into the native platforms and ads manager. And now I'm getting super tactical and like how we will produce those Perfect. ads. So Let's I think, <laughs> so it will roll into ads manager. That's my assumption as like an additional placement, which makes sense. Um, more inventory equals lower CPMs, right? So like there's more places to reach people. It becomes cheaper to do that. What I want to see with Threads ads is I want to see how it differentiates itself from X. Like, is there going to be, I think one of the strongest advertising products on Twitter X has got to be Amplify. The pre-roll into content that people want to see, we're coming up on like elections, right? So like elections, Olympics, all of those things where people are going to be 
consuming content at a higher rate, whether that's sports related, whether that's news related, people are going to be consuming content more. So when you have this prime ad space right ahead of a video that people want to see and want to consume, there's so much value in that. I would like to see that with threads. Um, X probably does not want to see that on threads, but I think it would be cool. Um, So there's going to be value in that. I would like to see pre-roll. I would also like to see carousel. Like, I think carousel would be great on there. Just like we've seen dumps, right? Photo dumps on Instagram is like the new trend. A lot of folks are doing that. I'd like to see something similar, like a carousel format on threads as well. I think that they're going to do like the standard, you know, feed, static and imagery. I don't think we're going to see anything that's like net new, but who knows? They could surprise me. Oh, they're listening. Well, and, and to your point, like if they they can make it so that advertisers can just take existing campaigns and expand them to threads, then that increases you know the reach, potential performance, and the point you made can also bring down pricing. Absolutely, but you also want to. I would love to see more engaging content like polls. I feel like polls was huge in like 2018, 2019. We kind of saw a drop off in the pandemic, but I would love to see polls on there. It just is very. It's so engaging, right? It's like engaging, and especially if you can do like a create your own. Where imagine it's like, do you prefer like I don't know, chicken or shrimp, something like that. that's the most basic comparison that I can think of right now. <laughs> um, do you prefer chicken or shrimp? And then maybe there's like, you choose chicken and it takes you on a journey to a specific product, right? You choose shrimp and it takes you on a like, on a separate journey to a different page or whatever. Um, I think that would be cool. Definitely more engaging ad products would be great. Got it. And to your point around like Twitter X Amplify and like just, you know, pre-roll and news video in particular, like I was kind of surprised to hear that because, you know, I think the the stereotypical stance that you hear from advertisers when it comes to NewsCon is no thank you. Um, But there is going to be a lot more news video over the next year and a half because of the election, among other reasons, hopefully no catastrophes, pandemics, things (laughs) like that. But so is has that stance from advertisers towards news video changed or is it different in the context of social news video versus news video elsewhere? I think it depends on the advertiser. You have some who will say, keep me away from anything political. Um, but if you're a advertiser like a New York Times, uh, LA Times, you have pre-roll before content, there's value in that. And there's adjacency in that. But if you're someone who is promoting a game or something regarding entertainment, maybe that's not really the where you want to play in. But I think it also depends on what the content is. Like if it's just like we're covering a state of the union or we're covering, you know, something that's not as tumultuous as like a debate or, you know, something specific to like what's happening in the news cycle right now with like court and ex-presidents being indicted, et cetera. Like that's where type of content where you tend to stay away from. But I think that there's levels to that as well. Right. And I guess it also kind of depends on to what extent any of that like news video or news content in general is going to be on threads. Because I think Adam Masseri, the head of Instagram, has said like, no, we, we don't really want news here. We're just going to do like lifestyle and creative stuff. Yeah, but our election cycles are so huge now, especially presidential elections. How do you keep it off the platform? You know, it's, it's going to be hard to do that. Yeah, yeah. So that'll be that'll be an interesting one to see. And and I guess like when we're talking about news, like what we're really talking about is kind of brand safety concerns and brand safety controls. Um, brand safety 
big topic with X these days, among other every other topic with X yeah. these days. But how, like, when Elon Musk first took over Twitter, there were a number of agencies making recommendations to clients to pause ad spending on Twitter. At the moment, like, what is the Digitas recommendation to clients when it comes to advertising on X? Right now, we're taking it on a case-by-case basis, wanting to understand, okay, you have your campaign, what's the goal of that? If your goal is to play in a space where you want to be with what's happening right now, then there's value in being on X. But we want to make sure that it's the right place at the right time, too. So we're just evaluating it on a case-by-case basis. But we do we have seen clients reactivating on the platform. And we, we do see advertisers in general, not just advertisers under our umbrella, coming back to the platform. And so I think we'll continue to see that. But I think the next year or so is going to be, talk, going back to your point about brand safety and elections, this is going to be huge for all platforms, but specifically for X. And how would you say like clients who have been advertising on Twitter since it was, you know, Twitter since like Musk took over, you know, so from last fall until now, like to what extent has their, you know, the money they're spending on Twitter gone up or gone down or stayed flat? We're not seeing it at levels pre-acquisition. So I think brands are putting their feet in the water a bit just to understand, okay, what are we seeing from a cost standpoint? What are we seeing in comparison to other platforms? So it's it's kind of like, uh, it's a little bit here, but we're still not seeing it pre-pandemic levels. Got it. And how cost-effective or not cost-effective is X at the moment? I think it depends on who you're comparing it to. Like, you're always going to see lower CPMs on a meta just because of the inventory that they have. But I wouldn't say that X is, like, astronomically more expensive than anyone else. It kind of falls into the same line. And meta, I mean, they've been kind of coming down in pricing because there was that trend, what, 20, you know, do know better than I would, but because I think you were at, at meta um, around this time, <laughs> like, yeah, 2020 timeframe even where, it was getting so expensive to be advertising on Facebook and Instagram that it was turning some advertisers to even like TV because they're like, yeah. well, TV's cheaper at this point. <laughs> but Meta just had you know, their quarterly earnings for a second quarter this week. And in it, they say impressions are up and pricing is down. Like how significant, how significantly down is, you know, pricing, but where does performance then fall in relation? So in regards to costs, we're, st- we're starting to see it I wouldn't say it's like 2018 levels, but definitely not 2020. So we are seeing great pricing on the platform, which is great. Um, And I think that going back to threads, once that gets into the mix as well, I think we'll tend to see lower CPMs. I'm hoping if there was wood somewhere, I would knock on it. Um, But in regards to performance, we're seeing great performance. I think it also depends, again, I have to caveat that it depends on the objective, right? Where we're talking about like conversion campaigns, there's been a lot of talk just around like, you know, the impacts of iOS 14 and tracking and CAPI, et cetera. So that's a whole different animal. But when we're talking about like traffic to site, um, the scale of that, the scale of impressions, it's still one of the lowest costs lower costing platforms. Okay, which is saying something at this point. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And the most mature, right? Like, they've been doing ads since 2006. Um, So 
they've got, I mean, I can't even believe that. <laughs> um, it makes me feel kind of old. But um, they've been doing sound sick. So they've got the information. They understand they've been here a while. They've set the tone, you know, and set the standards. So, right, yeah, yeah. You're making me remember, like, oh, yeah, sponsored stories was a format, yeah. like talking to <laughs> them about it. Yeah. yeah. Like, uh, remember the, like, they had the Coke campaign where it was like share Coke with a friend. Oh, that's that right. was like one of the mo- the biggest campaigns, you know, of in social media um, in the very early days. So it's it's been a journey. It definitely been a journey. I mean, even the past few months have been a journey, especially like kind of going back to X. So Linda Yaccarino comes on as CEO. I think she like effectively you know started on the job in June, like right around Can time frame. And then, you know, July, Twitter changes its name to X. Like, what impact has kind of, has Linda Yaccarino coming on had? And then what has the impact of this rebrand? Because it seems like the rebrand in particular has been something where it's uh, just like, oh, so things are still in flux when she, the idea was she was going to come in and kind of steady the ship a bit. Yeah, I think Linda coming in is going to be great. We've got to give her time. Like, I think she came in, like you said, June. We're sitting here in August. Like, I'm thinking through the end of the year, Linda's just going to be trying to figure out, like, okay, who what are, who are the key players here? Like, what are we doing here? Like, just figuring out where the bathrooms are, I like to say. But the rebrand, that's interesting. I mean, we saw the rebrand with Meta, right? And we kind of got used to that. It, it's, it's different because Meta is an umbrella of, like, Facebook, Instagram, et cetera. But we saw that rebrand, X is going to take some time, right? I think that the platform is seeing a ton of change in a short period of time for a brand that has incredible brand recognition, like Twitter, tweeting, retweeting, like these things that we say day in and day out. So then shifting that to saying reposts, I think maybe the new term, like trying to understand the new verbiage. How do our clients leverage that in their copy, right? It's like we're used to saying retweet this if you want to learn more about our brand and that's going to have to change that nomenclature is going to change so it's going to be tough um i don't envy <laughs> linda at all <laughs> um but i think her experience at nbcu is incredible nbcu is a huge part was a huge partner with twitter as well so there's going to be a lot of value in that great relationships i'm sure that she's building so i wish them the best um, and i'm excited to see how things change over the next year or so she's going to have a really both X and Linda, I mean, Linda is a part of X, but they're both going to have a huge year ahead of them. You know, I mean, starting in 2023, as we're about to go into an election on social platforms, we know how crazy that gets. So I think that it will be good, but I definitely want to see how things turn out over the next few months. Right. And with the the rebranding, like, does that force any kind of like more tactical or kind of concrete changes from a paid media standpoint or... Like, I would think outside of the platform, like, oh, then we have to update all our creative assets with, you know, the X logo instead of the Twitter logo. Um, And, you know, yeah, like you said, we got to call them, you know, uh, X's now, I guess, instead of tweets. But has it had any, like, kind of tangible impacts or forced any tangible changes in strategy? Not on our side. They've been really flexible with saying, like, you know, X doing business as Twitter or Twitter doing business as X. Like I had some questions that are very tactical, like 
what our invoice is going to look like. Like, do we need to change things in Prisma or change things in like our vendor profiles? But we haven't. Like, it's been fairly an easy transition and something that we knew was coming, right? Elon's been hinting about X Corp been rolling Twitter under X for months. So we knew it was coming um, and they've been great partners in helping us through the transition as well. We're going to take a quick break to hear from our sponsor and we'll be right back. If we had had this conversation, maybe not six months ago, because I think six months ago, we would have still like had a pretty heavy Twitter conversation. Actually, I'm not done with the Twitter conversation. So <laughs> <laughs> now that I think about it. So, I mean, you were at Twitter during the Elon Musk takeover. You left in January 2023. What was that? What is that? A three month period where you were there during like all of the upheaval? What was that like from your standpoint? What was the experience? Yeah, so it started... I believe he announced he was buying Twitter maybe April of last year. And so I was there through the whole experience. It was a a journey, I would say. Um, Something that I've never been through before and something that shaped my growth and my outlook. Um, it, It got to a point where I felt like if you weren't working at Twitter, I didn't really want to talk to you about anything regarding work. Because <laughs> um, it just felt like you you couldn't understand. You Maybe know? someone at FTX. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's true. <laughs> um, it, it was just like, kind of like a dream, you know? Um, and it dream, all not nightmare. Happened. Uh, depended <laughs> on the day, really. Um, but I got through, I, honestly, like, so many incredible people at that company, top to bottom. And so we all kind of went through it together. And now it feels like a bond that no one will really understand unless you were there, right? And so I'm waiting for the documentary. Um, <laughs> I want to be that person, you know, when you like pull up the chair, the empty chair in the warehouse and someone walks in and sits down and is like, you had to be there, <laughs> you know, <laughs> like that's going to be me. Um, but yeah, it it was, it was, a great learning experience. And if I had to go back and do it all again, knowing how it turned out in a heartbeat. I mean, you stuck through like for the first few months after he officially took over. Um, what led you to, you know, decide to you know stay at least initially? Honestly, my team I had an incredible team there of digital buyers and digital planners who were just like the best of the best. And we all started within a few weeks of each other as well. And so we had that bond there of like, we're in this together, you know? Um, And then things, you know, we decided and I decided that I think it was best if I just move on and find something else. And then things just like, you know, sometimes you make a decision and don't really know how it's going to turn out, but you know, you want to take the risk, like I always said I was just going to bet on myself and hope that it worked out. And then within two months, you know, here came the Digitas opportunity. I'm so grateful. Got it. Was there any specific trigger or kind of like deciding you know, factor for you of like, okay, you know what, my time at Twitter is up? I think it was a flexibility point. Um, one of the things that I loved about working at Twitter was the flexibility. I live in L.A., so getting to an office three to five days a week when you live on the other side of the city. (laughs) Anyone out there who lives in LA knows that it's just like not feasible. So I think it was a flexibility. And I think for me, you know, like you said, I was at 
Meta beforehand, was working platform side at Twitter, and I wanted to really expand my knowledge to being on top of everything that's happening in social as opposed to being specific specialists on what's happening with Meta or what's happening with Twitter. And so I wanted to go back to my roots, agency roots of just like understanding platforms as a whole and being able to speak to that with people like you or people like, you know, our other clients. Got it. Yeah. Like you mentioned, so you had, you know, before you were at Twitter and Meta, you were at IPG media brands. So, so it was, I want to go back to the agency side. You weren't like, well, let me see, like, maybe I go to another platform or maybe I go brand side. It was very clear. I'd like to go back to agency. It was kind of the opposite. Oh, like, yeah. yeah, like when I left Twitter, if someone had told me you're going to go to an agency, I'd be like, no way. <laughs> no way. No way. But I felt at the top of my game at agency, the connections that you build, the people there, um, it's like a small, it's like a family, you know, like everyone kind of knows everyone. And I wanted that experience of understanding what was happening cross-channel. I think for folks who are in social, it's so important to understand traditional, so important to understand out-of-home, print, TV, et cetera. It just makes you a better practitioner as a whole. And so I got that at agency. I didn't feel like I got that on platform side. And having had like that experience working inside the platforms, not coming back to the agency, like how has that changed your approach now that you have kind of that experience as part of your tool belt? <laughs> what I love about it is that I know what can be done and what can't be done. So being on the platform side, I see the things that we've created for large advertisers, products, reporting, services, things that my team created, you know, for advertisers. And so agency side, I can say like, actually, they can do that because I saw them do it for X, Y, Z, or being able to just go back and say to like someone at Twitter, like, oh, if you search this link, <laughs> you'll be able to find. <laughs> You're the institutional <laughs> knowledge. <laughs> yeah, you know, and I think they like it, especially because they can come to me um, and talk about like Twitter and talk about like performance products that they're coming out with. And my team helped create documents for those products, you know, so it's like, they're like, we don't have to talk to you about this. I'm like, you don't. I wrote that. Like, I, I helped edit that document. Um, and so I, I love that part of it. And just understanding also from the agency side what our platform partners deal with. You know, like, if we're asking for something, I understand the hoops that they have to jump through in order to get those things. And so I feel like I, I have a little bit more patience with our ass because I know that our partners are working hard, but I understand the roadblocks that they face as well. When it comes to the things that can be done or can't be done from the platform perspective, are there any you know, specific types that are worth calling out that like would be helpful for folks listening to this to be aware of, of like, oh, okay, cool. So I, I should feel more confident that this ask can be done or, okay, now I, you know, no, I shouldn't really ask for this thing. Or if I ask for this other thing, it's going to take some time for it to be done. I don't know if I can share any of those things. I guess, uh, yeah, that's like your proprietary information. That's your IP. <laughs> that's my IP. That's my value. I'm kidding. Um, but I would say for anyone out there who's asking their partners to create customized reporting dashboards, tools, just understanding and being able to communicate why you need it, um, how it's going to impact your business, and how it's going to impact the investment on the platform. Like those are like the basic things, so that way they can take that back to whoever they, you know, their chain of command and be able to fight for it. But if there's no, you know, it's a little bit of I scratch your back, you scratch mine. 
um, there's got to be a level of that there. So we've talked about threads. We've talked about X slash Twitter. I guess the like, third big topic in the social realm this year has been TikTok. It's been the big topic for the past couple of years, but this year took on a whole new level, especially with the ban. It feels like the ban conversation is still around. I think it's still banned in Montana, but it feels like that's died down. I don't know if that's like threads and what's been going on with X is just like kind of overshadowed it a bit, but is there still a concern about a TikTok ban from the Brandon agency perspective? No. No. It's 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 died down. As you said, the conversation, I think we did see the ban conversation kick off early in the year, right, with the passage of that bill in in uh, Wisconsin, I believe it was. Uh, I know Montana did Montana. ban it, but I think yes, there was did. like the, well, there was the hearing in, was that May, April? Yeah, yeah, Montana. Yeah, sorry. Um, but but then it's it was like, what does the implementation of that look like, right? And how do you ban this app? You need to have your app store partners also bought in on this. How do you track it? Do other platforms now need to be held to this standard? Like, there's more there that has to happen. So I think a key piece, again, talking about what X needs to focus on, TikTok also has to focus on what's coming up over the next year. Like Going back to elections, this is going to be huge for them as well. Um, misinformation, making sure that there's none of that or that it's limited or, you know, brand safety. All these things are going to be huge. So I think, you know, in 2020, the huge focus was on Meta, right? And like after 2016 election, there's a focus on them. Next year, it's going to be TikTok and it's going to be X as well. Yeah, it's going to be interesting with TikTok because I remember talking to some news publishers last year around the time of the midterm elections here in the US and TikTok wasn't was very careful to be not ex- super explicit about this, but the feel they were getting from TikTok is, we want nothing to do with the election. Please, like, <laughs> take take your election coverage and go anywhere else with it. We don't really want to. Hear. They had like an election center, if I remember correctly, but I remember even like I spent election night at um, NBC News headquarters and talking to like their TikTok team there, the head of the TikTok team, Devin Joseph, and he made the point like they'd been seeing when it comes to midterm content on TikTok performing well, it was people talking about college midterms, not the midterm <laughs> election. <laughs> Which I just but, found like so funny. So yeah, it, it will be interesting to see like w- how the election figures in on TikTok and how TikTok responds to that. Yeah, it, it, especially when, you know, the stitching, stitching is huge on TikTok. So the debates, the news cycle, like, people are going to be talking about it, you know? And so they're going to, even though I know that they don't, I don't think any of our platforms really want to deal with election news cycle, but it's the nature of the way that we use social media. Right. Yeah. And TikTok's ad platform, I mean, it seems to have really come of age over the past, you know, two years, um, developed a bit more. I think there, though, is still some, um, sense that like uh, there's still a lot of like room for improvement at least when it comes to more of the like the technical side of things like having performance and attribution data how would you what's your assessment of the tiktok ad platform at this point the same i think that it's in an infancy but considering and not to i'm not going to shade our other partners but it's definitely 
on a on the right path and they have the resources dedicated to making sure that it's going to continue to grow. So I like the way that it looks. I think there's also some kinks that, of course, that every platform needs to work out, but it's trending in the right direction for sure. And as long as they continue to focus on making their ads platform better, people will continue to use it. One of the things about Meta is that you and I, like we could just be Joe Schmo off the street with like a small t-shirt business and launch an advertisement in 45 minutes on Meta. There's that accessibility there. Other platforms have to catch up to that because it is more so just like it's more user-friendly. And so TikToks is also user-friendly, but it will it still needs a little bit of massaging, a little bit of love before it gets to a place of like a meta, for example. Okay. And I guess that's from like the actual platform tools perspective, not even just to mention from a creative perspective. Yeah, exactly. And just ease of use, right? Unfortunately, for other social platforms, everyone's going to look for it to look and act like Facebook ads manager, just because that's what we're used to working in. And so they can't deviate too far from that, but they also have to make it their own as well. So I would love to see platforms try to surpass Meta's ads manager and produce more custom, maybe it's custom views or custom conversions or like exports and imports um, and making that easier to do, but they'll get there. They have, a, they have a lot of things that they're focusing on, right? It's like their native platform, their ads platform, like all these things. And so we got to give them some time and grace to do that. Right. Maybe not so much lemonade at this point. <laughs> <laughs> From like the ad product. So like one of their big ad product announcements last year was TikTok Pulse, which is yeah. effectively a post-roll program. And then they've kind yeah. of expanded that this year with Pulse Premiere, um, which is kind of like the... Um, oh shit, what, what did YouTube used to call its like spotlight program? But anyways, like it's kind of creme de la creme of creator videos. What's been the impact of Pulse? Like to what extent are clients buying TikTok Pulse at this point? We're seeing a lot of our advertisers who are heavy on TikTok leveraging Pulse. There's definitely value in that. Pulse Premiere is still fairly new. Like I, I don't even believe that, I believe like they're just starting to take bookings for it like the past couple weeks or so, or maybe in the next few weeks. I want to see what comes with that. That's obviously going to be at a higher price point, right? You're talking like premium publishers and your content is directly after that. So we are seeing a lot of movement in Pulse. I think it's it goes back to that X Amplify, right? There's something about that pre and post role, that premium placement that garners more action from your audience. And so there's going to be a lot of value in that. I want to continue to see how it develops, but we've seen our advertisers taking advantage of it and they like it. Got it. Last summer, I talked to like one agency exec who was part of the Pulse. I think it was even in the alpha stage at that point or just moving into the beta. And obviously it was still in testing phase, so still a lot of development. But you know, one thing at that point was it was kind of limited in terms of targeting options. There were, I think, 12 you you would know better than i would like i think it was like 12 content categories that you could target against and i think reporting was fairly limited how have you seen pulse develop so with the release of pulse one is understanding what types of content and adjacency those are always the first questions like Am I able to see the content ahead of time? No. So it's like you're trusting that it is sort of relevant, like there's that relevancy there. 
obviously you want to make sure that there's nothing there from like a competitive standpoint. Like I want to make sure that this influencer video is not showcasing my competitor. And then here's my ad after that. Like there's, there, some people may say there's value in that, but some people want to stay away from that. So the original, and one also getting people to, or getting brands to leverage new ad types and like product types, there's going to be a little bit of like a, not hesitation so much. Our clients love being innovative. They love being first to market on things. But there's also things where like, we want to see how it performs first. So the ease of creating the campaigns was great. I think the initial release of it is great. They have a lot of great collateral. Pulse Premier feels like a V2 of that. So I do like the fact that there is a focus. Like they saw something, they saw the success of Pulse, and then they decided like, hey, you know what? Let's tap in here. Like, let's take this to a different level. And so I think that there's a lot of value in that. Um, And so I've enjoyed seeing the growth of it, but I definitely want to understand from a comparison point of view of like, are there other ways for us to get the same results in feed and auction? Um, But I definitely want to continue to see the growth of the Pulse. But I think it's it's a great product and I think advertisers should be taking advantage of it. How much is TikTok charging for Pulse and then Pulse Premier? I can't tell you that. How much of a <laughs> premium is Pulse Premier over Pulse regular? It is it is a premier. Um I won't I mean a percentage of how much I would probably say in like the like they would kill me if I tell you maybe like a ten percent ish. Um but I would say connect. I'm gonna give you the PC answer of like connect with your partners. <laughs> sure. And ask. I haven't done a PC answer for you yet, but I'm gonna that's give you one true. Right I, I'm 100 credit to you for that. <laughs> I really appreciate that. Talk to your partners and ask, even if it's TikTok directly or your partners at agency, and they will be able to give you better figures of how much you'll be paying in difference from Pulse and Pulse Premier. And so, given like we've been talking about TikTok's ad platform has developed, and now there's like even more um, kind of closer comps with YouTube Shorts now that YouTube Shorts has the ad revenue program and has been adding more features for Shorts ads, which I know is like a point of frustration for some buyers that I talked to around the time of like when Shorts ad launched. And then Reels has, you know, there's Reels ads. How does, how would you rank them in terms of like client spending? Like where, you know, is most of client spending going to TikTok versus Shorts versus Reels or flipped some other way? It's definitely dependent on the vertical that you sit in and where your audience is. So we, I mean, we've seen increasing time spent on YouTube. I think the average watch time now is like around a half hour that users spent on YouTube. And that's just the average. Um, But as far as spend for, for us, I would say Reels is obviously number one. We're seeing a lot of Reels spend. After that, I would give it like a maybe an even at shorts and TikTok, depending on the client. That's just like an average, but depending on the client, they may spend more. We also are kind of shifted because some of our accounts, social will fall under, YouTube will fall under social, and for other accounts, it would fall under that display direct. YouTube's just like. (laughs) It'd be wrong to say it's like the misfit child, but it's like the the enigma 
which yes. are the Rorschach test of like, yes. you could see it as TV, you could see it as video, you could see it as social. YouTube generally doesn't like when people see it as social, but yeah. yeah. It's, it's so interesting, right? Like you have some practitioners who are like, people on my team who are like, I can launch a YouTube campaign for you right now. And then others who are like, wait, what? That's programmatic, you know? <laughs> oh, geez. Yeah, programmatic. I didn't even think of uh, that. Mm -hmm. oh, that's really interesting. Also interesting, like, Reels being kind of the the clear number one in TikTok and YouTube Shorts being kind of on par with each other. I, if I would have guessed, like you were going to say, TikTok clear number one, then you know Reels and Shorts have like the parody in the number two slot. What is it about Reels that makes it that clear number one right now? It's that placement optimization. You know, like I don't have to build a separate campaign and a separate platform to launch on Reels. Like I can roll that into my. I can have one creative that I can roll in and hit reels, hit stories, like hit explore, hit search results, like all these things. And so it, the platform will auto-optimize to the placement that is seeing the most delivery and the best results. And that tends to be reels and feed. Got it. Yeah. Yeah, it's that like, this gets me thinking in the TV space of like, oh yeah, the power of the bundle. Like this is basically yes. the platform ad bundle. Absolutely. Yeah. I never thought of it that way, but that you're completely right. It's the power of the bundle. Interesting. So we've covered a ton of ground. It, as you mentioned, like you've been very candid with me, which I really appreciate. Of course. For let you go. Like, so we've talked about threads, we've talked about X, we've talked about TikTok and shorts and reels as well. Any like thing in social that we haven't touched on that like i would look like an idiot for not bringing up in this conversation i guess i do look like an idiot for having not brought it no. up yet i would say social search which for some reason is really hard for me to say um social search is going to be huge we're seeing search in tiktok we're seeing search in instagram you're able to search by keyword they're understanding keyword volume our teams here at Digitas, we talk a lot about networked experiences, social and search combined together. Our teams are going to start focusing more on that. You know, we have our teams who have like very clear search priorities and like search specialties and our team who has specific social, but we're going to start to see the lines blurred in that. And so I would say social search should be on everyone's mind going into 2024. Are there opportunities you're able to capitalize on from an, an ad perspective with social search yet? I mean, we've always been able to leverage keywords, right? Like key terms, et cetera, especially on X and on TikTok. But I think the understanding and the analysis of how those two things play together and how we leverage, like even Pinterest, like Pinterest is one of the like top platforms when we're talking about social search. Like it, it's it's kind of the baseline of it. Um so we're going to start to see, and we're starting to see it now, like our advertisers are asking us, like, how do we play in the space? Like, what are the opportunities there? And we're asking our partners about that as well. So they're starting to think about it and it's starting to develop. But again, I would say, like, if your teams are not focusing right now a little bit on social search, they should be. Then how does that muddy things from a budget perspective on whether <laughs> that money's coming from social budget or the search budget or both? <laughs> So I will say give all your money to social, but that's the bias <laughs> answer, of course. But I would say, like, I'm, I'm always a proponent of, like, let's set some budget aside to understand how these things work. So whether it's, like, you give me 5% of your search and I give you 5% of my social budget and then we try and figure out, like, what campaigns look like. I think we're still 
far away from saying like, okay, who's controlling this? I do think that because it is going to play in social platforms, it will be social activation specialists who will work on this. But what I would love to see is like, social and search teams working together to understand like what's the volume like are we seeing these same things in GA are we seeing these same things in Bing and then trying to like leverage an analysis there um and so I think like I said we're still in our infancy of social search but it's going to continue to come up for sure and that another you know thing that brings me back to thinking about TV where like you had this you know, shift on in agencies where you had TV buyers and the video buyers and the programmatic buyers too, the digital buyers, and like who owns that, who controls budgets. And we saw this kind of roll up with national video teams. And so it makes me wonder like, oh, will we see some sort of roll up with social and search into like national platform teams? I think so. I think so. I think we're still, uh, it's just, it's hard because you meet, like, if you meet those, like, gritty, social-only practitioners, myself included, um, we love what we do every day and we don't like to then get, like, oh, now you're going to be in search. It's like, I've got so much social in this brain. (laughs) It's going to be so hard to then add something else to that. But I do think there is a lot of that. And we have seen a lot of folks who are coming in and have the background in both. You know, we have our precision teams here at Digitas that have specialties in both search and social. And there's a lot of value in that. Um, And so we'll start to see practitioners who are kind of like ingrained in both. But it will be a challenge to get those who are on the other side to kind of play nice in the sandbox. Right. And I guess ultimately a lot of that comes down to like performance marketing specialists in a way and social and search just becomes expressions of that. Yeah, absolutely. We have a performance center of excellence at Digitas as well. So it's like we have social, we have search and performance. And so we're already thinking about these things as well. That's a fun one to think about. All this stuff is fun to think about, fun to talk Isn't about. It? So, right, I, I really know, appreciate I could do this on. for another hour. Oh, no, I appreciate it. I would hold you to that, but then, um, <laughs> well, then it would ruin any opportunity to bring you back on and talk more about how things are going. So, I'd love to. And also put together this now X documentary that, that you see in my head. I don't see why you can't produce it. Oh, I'll, I'll be emailing you, I'm sure. <laughs> awesome. Well, Ariel, this is great. So thanks so much for coming on the show. No, thank you so much. I had such a great time. I appreciate it. Absolutely. And thank you for listening to the DJ Podcast. Please don't forget to share this episode with someone who you think would enjoy it. You can even rate us on Apple Podcasts if you like. We'll be back next week with another episode.